Welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast with your host, Brendan. We have an absolute legend on the show today. It is Sanagashi. He is competing in, it's not the heavyweight division. It's, it's, it's kind of in between. Um, what, what is the brigade division? How do you pronounce that? Yo, yo, what's up, guys? I hope oh, wait, wait, we'll, we'll get we'll get into that in a second because I I'll, okay. I only do one take. Even if I screw it up, I yeah. still go with it. We'll get into the actual division and what he's competing with, or but why he's in Thailand over at Tiger Muay Thai. I swear I've ran into you at Bangtao MMA before. Um, maybe coming and going would have been six months ago. But before we get into it, because it's probably my worst introduction ever, I'm all over the place. We'll let you know what we are. We are fruiting body mushrooms. We're doing cordyceps, lion manes. Uh, Lion's Mane, it's the best out there. Um, if you like that stuff, go check it out. Links in the description. Don't forget, like, subscribe. Um, if not, unsubscribe. If you're tired of me <laughs> rambling already, it's up to you. Uh, but let's just jump right into it. We've already been talking for 30 minutes, so I guess this is a, a fake introduction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How's it going, buddy? Thanks for joining. First of all, thank you very much for um, letting me come here. It's very cool here. Nice to meet you, and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited what's going on. Yeah, because at least you're, you're familiar, you're doing your YouTube thing as well. And we'll get into that and get into the training. But as we do, let's just start at the, at the beginning. Um, let us know a little bit about what was it like growing up in Kosovo in the 90s? Yeah, I'm born there and um, it was cool. It was a nice country. It was a little bit isolated because we had some issues with some uh, neighbor countries. But uh, as a child, you don't feel it because you just know it like that way, yeah? And then suddenly we had war. Uh, we had like an invasion of Serbia. And, uh, you know, this was like a bad time. We, we lost our house. Some of my family died. And we had to escape from the country. Yeah, I, s I saw you, you did a video with uh, Hamza Chemaev. And um, you're kind of coming from the same background stories as well. I mean, these rougher upbringings and then becoming a boxer... Um, can you kind of walk us through that? Like, how did you get into this career of boxing? And, and essentially, you, now you're on the island of Phuket. I mean, life's uh, good. <laughs> yeah, like I said, when I was like six, seven, the war came and uh, we had to leave the country Yeah, because we lost our house. So we moved to Germany um, and uh, we built there a new house, we built there a new life. Germany gave us the chance. And uh, yeah, it was, we start everything from scratch. But you know, for me, I, I was a small child, yeah. For me, it was very normal. You're probably, what, you're about 9, 10? No, something? I was like 6, 7. Yeah. 6, 7, six, seven yeah. yeah. So very, and, and your family at this point, you're just, everyone's up and moving. And yeah, yeah, everybody was moving. I moved with my family and my sister. And um, yeah, like I said, for me, I thought it's normal because I was a small child. You know, when you're a small child, you don't know if you're rich, if you're poor, because you only have uh, one view. You know what I mean? You don't know how is the life of others and you don't think on that. And um, yeah, this is, we go to Germany, I need to learn the language, it was a little bit barriers, yeah, it was a little bit also different mentality. And uh, I started fighting very young, unfortunately. <laughs> Most fighters that I've, I've had discussions with, usually it's due to bullying or they're, they're you know, they're trying to protect themselves in some which way. What, what was your story of actually getting into fighting? Well, I watched, I watched the Rocky movie. Yeah, I watched the Rocky movie. And I was so inspired by the guy because he was training, he looked strong, uh, he he helped his family, you know, he built a complete new life. And, you know, I came, like I said, from the war, we start from Germany from zero, and um, I just want to help my parents. You know, I saw my parents didn't have money to help me. 
they helped me with they support me with everything what they had yeah but uh, I saw when I visit other ch children yeah, other friends of me it was not the same you know so and I, I said to myself oh man I need to be a champion I need I need to be like Rocky what age was that at like 13 14 13 yeah. 14 yeah, yeah was there like a Kosovo community that because you're all I, I said what were you guys would have been defined as like refugees leaving yeah like yeah, as Albanian, we don't say Kosovo, we say Albanians, yeah? Albania, okay. Albania, Albanians. Mm. And, um, yeah, there was some Kosovo's, but I was uh, not some, you know, we was spread it all around. So uh, there was like an aspect from the German, uh, they, they spread us around, that we don't stay together, because like this you have better integration. Because if you put all together in one city, then nobody will, will learn the language, they will stick in their groups. So as they separated, this was quite good, yeah? It was mm. good to integrate in Germany, but it was perhaps a little bit bad for, uh, for our roots, yeah? Yeah, my understanding of the whole Kosovo War, we won't go too deep into that. It, it was eth ethnic Albanians in the land, I guess the territory labeled as Kosovo, and Serbia was coming in and, yeah. and trying, you know, causing these problems and whatnot. So eth ethnically, um, just because the area you were from was Kosovo, you're more, your your background is Albanian. This is how you... you yeah, 100%. Yeah. We are Albanians. We are Albanians. Albania and Kosovo was one country. Then we got separated. We was a part of Yugoslavia. And then a part of Serbia took us over. They want to have us in yeah. them. So that's the story. But we are, we are Albanians. We speak the language. We have tradition. We have, yeah. When you talk to family back home, is there still tension, a lot of issues going on there, or do you guys kind of try to forget that and put it in the past? Um, yeah, at the moment there is also like some situations, and it can happen any time in the war. It's a very, very heated up situation there. When you're identifying yourself now, you're a German boxer. You're fighting for the country of Germany. Yeah. Would you be able to represent Albania? Yeah, I tell you one thing about nationalities, yeah. I didn't choose it. You know, for me, I'm 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 just a human like everybody else. It's not an achievement to be a German or a Albanian or anything. Yeah, for me, it really doesn't matter. It's just written somewhere that I represent any country, but but I don't give a, I don't give a shit on it. Yeah, I mean, it's just invisible landlines at the end of the day. Yeah, it's sure. It's like and it's all you politics. Know, you know, you get born. They choose your name. They choose your religion. They choose your country, and you spend the rest of your life to fight for something what you haven't even choose. You know. I mean, for me, if hey, dear Thailand, if you, you, I would gladly give up my Canadian passport for a Thai passport, just because it's uh, the stuff going on back there. It's an absolute mess. But um, that—that's what's interesting about Thailand, and I do respect them for that. It's the fact that Thailand is for the land of the Thais, and they really prote protect their their country and their nature. And I think this is what keeps it so interesting for people like us to be coming back here. It stays Thailand. It is Thailand. What are your thoughts on that uh, as you've, you know, went into other countries and integrated into Germany? But these places like Thailand, they're very careful to push back. Yeah, I, I think um, I think Thailand's a great country. I just, I just love it to be here. I love the weather. I love the people. And I think they're, protect, they're protecting their people very well. You know, that not other... They, they keep still their traditions, that, but they also don't let them rule by money, you know? And also what I like the most about the Thailand lifestyle life is that um, we Western Europe, so West Americans, Canadians, yeah, whatever, when we do more money, our life standard increase. 
You know, mm. we buy a new car, we buy a newer watch, we buy a bigger house, yeah, everything gets bigger. But when the time makes more money, yeah, we still stay the same. Yeah, it, it's you cannot tell. They they don't increase their life standard. And this is what I appreciate here the most, you know. It's not every time about bigger, better. What what first brought you to Thailand and, and when was your first trip here? I was here the first time before eight years. Um I came here over, yeah, and I just wanted to train, yeah. I just want to train. I come here over. I loved it. I saw all the fighters. I saw the lifestyle. I just was flushed. It is. It's particularly. It is the lifestyle. Um, especially, uh, I saw you're training. You're doing some videos in in Bangkok, and there was the whole everywhere you have to go is twenty minutes, twenty minutes, twenty minutes. But in places like Phuket, and and to be honest, this whole twenty minutes around it's training in cities. Even if you're in Los Angeles or if you're in Florida and, you know, different, different training camps there. But mm -hmm. in Phuket, everything is so convenient. The beach, the food, the gyms. Um, you're back here training at Tiger Muay Thai. Is Phuket potentially going to become like a second or third home to you? Oh, I would say uh, Albania is there and Phuket is here. Mm. Uh, this is a, I love Phuket. And uh, it's not the second home, it is my home, yeah. I often bring also my family here over from Albania and stuff like that. And they are just they just love it. They go nuts. How did you decide Tiger Muay Thai and, and kind of basing yourself there? I, I don't train actually in Tiger Muay Thai. I actually don't train there. I train like all over the place, you know. Ah, okay. when, when I have like a pro fight, at the moment I'm like number seven in the world. I fight in two months for the world championship. And um, so if I have a fight, I bring my coach here over. Mm-hmm. And we train anywhere, you know, we don't need to be in a certain place. But we just go sometimes from gym to gym because you have like different coaches and you can adapt some new movements. And when you get by every training from a coach, you get 1% better. This is a huge achievement. Where were you training today? Today we was training just in the gym because we have two sessions. We do in the morning uh, cardio and strange. And at night we do boxing. And wh which gym were you at? You're Dragon Muay Thai we go tonight. Dragon Muay Thai. Is that, is that Rawai? No, Where's that's Dragon? in Shalong. That's in the Saitayat on right the on this, oh, okay. famous fighter street. It, at your level, I mean, at this professional level, I mean, yeah. world rank number seven, you're fighting for the title. Is it difficult to find sparring partners? Yeah, it's impossible. It's, it's impossible when you're big. Uh, but you're, you're coming from a kickboxing background, correct? I come from kickboxing, karate, yeah, but, yeah. but now it's boxing, you know, and you need, like, sparring is, like, the most important thing. And uh, this is why we do now five weeks of the camp here. And then the next three weeks, we go back to Germany and uh, organize their special sp sparring partners from all over the world. The first, so the first five weeks are here. What is yeah. kind of the, the, the idea behind that? Is it, I mean, it's not like a fat camp. It's, it's yeah. more you're doing it to get in shape. Or what are you doing here specifically? Um, the thing is, in Germany, I, I'm not so unknown. Yeah? So I don't have my peace at all. You know, I go somewhere... People, hey, come here, let's do this, let's make this. And, and I'm, a, I'm a yes sir, you know, I'm like, oh, yes, let's do it. So here in Thailand, I have my peace and nobody distracts me. So this is why this stage is very important because here we do a lot of strategic stuff. We talk a lot, we see videos, we analyze. And uh, I'm here like almost alone, yeah? Yeah, I was saying Yuri Prohaska was on the podcast, exactly what he said in Czech Republic. He comes here because in Czech Republic, it's all day. Um, it's very difficult to escape the media or just yeah. these questions. Can you do this? Can you do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do a picture here. Let's talk. You know, in the end, this ends up, in the end, you lose a day, two hours just by actually doing nothing. Running around. Yeah, running, running around. around yeah. So what does your day kind of consist of? Do you have a very 
uh, strict schedule while you're here? Yeah, I have a schedule. It's it's like my my day is almost complete scheduled. I have my two trainings, then I need to sleep between. I eat and that's it. It's like very very. I, I don't have much time for for playing around. You know, I'm here not for vacation. I'm here for work. Yeah. Are you doing the two or three days a week train or two or three times a day training? Uh, two times. Two but times. It's a very, day. But it's it's very intense. You know, yeah. and I also sleep long. I need my siesta. So, yeah. yeah, usually after that one o'clock is uh, the crash time. I'm assuming like you're you're are you training early in the morning, like nine or ten? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then you'll train again today at four. Uh, at six. At, at six, six o'clock. At six. At six. Yeah. Going more into the sparring side, and and that's the one thing I, I for athletes at your level, and I've seen around the island. It's again, it's very difficult to find uh, sparring partners. Many people that are in the fight business, whether it's UFC, mm-hmm. whether it's MMA, whether it's boxing, kickboxing, they'll, they'll talk a lot about how sparring, maybe they don't need to spar or they don't, they spar hard or they spar soft. What, what is your idea around sparring during a camp? The thing is also, look, here are many people, yeah? here are sometimes also heavy guys, but also the problem is with these heavy guys, if you have a fight, yeah, you have like a camp and the sparring you do in the last three weeks, so perhaps they're here, yeah? But they don't have the sparring phase at the moment. You understand? Mm-hmm. So perhaps you you see them here, but you don't catch them at the right time. Perhaps they're in their cardio time at the moment for the preparation, yeah? And what's about the sparring? You you know, the sparring, it has to be very specific because you have like an opponent and you need a sparring partner who, who work like him. You need to tell the sparring partner to punch these combinations. Of the like to, of mim- to mimic the opponent. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't need like free sparring, you know, because for what? I, we work professional. We have a 12 week camp. We start in the two, three first weeks. We do like uh, straight and conditioning, like I said. And then we go on the heavy back. Yeah? And before we look videos of the opponent, we see, okay, what does he do? What he don't do? What is the combinations? These combinations we do like one, two week on the, on the heavy back. Then we go on the pets, do the same combinations. Then we do partner work. We take a guy, and just do these combinations on the partner. And then we go, last transition is to the sparring partner. So you see it's a smooth transition from heavy back to pets, to partner work, to sparring. And more on the partner work, you're saying you're getting that into the, the last three weeks of the camp. Partner work, yeah, start last five weeks, last five weeks. Is there dangers in maybe heavy sparring that could lead to concussions, people having to pull out of fights? Um, is, this, is this typical in the boxing world? It can happen anytime, you know. Sometimes people want to go hard. They want to prove themselves. Because, uh, you know, when I do sparring, I do sparring 12 rounds and I take four people. So I let everybody do three rounds, yeah. And after the first day, you see already, okay, who's the strongest, who's the weakest, who's okay. And then the next days, if you feel good, you can put the best one in the end. Mm-hmm. You know, so they take like the best of you out, yeah. But if you have a bad day, you take the best one in the beginning so that the rest gets easy, you know? So you can play around with it. And it's it's very it's very scientific, you know? People think it's very easy, but it's like... Where, where does this strategy and structure come from? Is this you or is this coaches that are helping to put it together? Uh, it's both together, you know? It's like my experience and it's also my coaches. So we watch videos together. We get like... Uh, we talk to other pros and we get like analyzes of teams. And then I see what this... I asked for example 10 pros, yeah, 10 pro coaches, 10 pro fighters, and I see what these all people say in common, what they have all together. 
on this on this point I train, yeah. And have you been working with these same coaches since you were young, or does yeah, this yeah, evolve? Yeah. No, no, it ch it changed. Yeah, it changed. It changed. I have some coaches from since I'm young, hundred percent, yeah. But I'm not more the same senat like I was young, you know. I'm no another senat, but still it's good. Um, I still work with them, hundred percent. Walking through the the career of a professional boxer and, and reaching the the pinnacle, the top, the top, let's say becoming the champion. Yeah. Beyond that, what is your goals? What is your aspiration? I mean, at at a certain point in a career, let's say 40, 45, whenever yeah. that is, what do you see yourself doing? What where? where where do you see yourself maybe in the, that 10 years? Um, this is what I like to do the most. It's like uh, the fighting I, I enjoy too. I love it too, yeah. But I, I like more this YouTube stuff. I like more to, to give uh, people more value to the life, yeah. And I think with my YouTube channel where I'm traveling around presenting gyms, I think I have a big influence on people and just give my knowledge, you know, just share my knowledge. That's cool. Do you see yourself kind of pursuing this more as maybe time frees up? Is that something you'd like to do full-time at some point? Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. When I start my YouTube channel about uh, Ringfluencer presenting gyms, yeah, you know, I did like four or five episodes. The numbers was quite low. I was like really fucked up. I was really disappointed. So I went one time on the street and a guy stops me. He said like, hey, I say, yeah, what's up? He's like, are you? And I think like he says, he say, are you the Ringfluencer? I'm like, yeah, I'm the Ringfluencer. He said, hey, because of you, I trained this gym. And really, my heart was like, bomb. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, yeah, it's cool. I know, yeah. And he's, he's not recognizing you as the boxer No, as the boxer, he recognized me as yeah. the ringfluencer. And I loved it, you know. My, my heart was beating. I was like, wow, that's a cool feeling. I love it. You, you've traveled around the world, again, doing this YouTube channel to many yeah. different countries. Um, where do you feel like was the, the, the most influential type of content you were making? Something that really touched you? I think I think the most is here in Thailand, yeah. Mm. Because here coming people from all over the world, and um, and it's cool, you know. It's just cool when you have a nice impact on somebody's life. Yeah, even without knowing it, you know. Yeah, I think that's the power of YouTube. You don't realize maybe how many people you're speaking to, and it only takes one uh, person that 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 can come back to you with that story and say, you know, you, you had that influence on me. I went to this gym. I, yeah. I've left Germany just to come try this as well. You know, I do my YouTube on my TikToks also a lot like of comedy, fun jokes, yeah, but sometimes it also can be annoying because there are people, they see you every day on your social medias and stuff like that and uh, they think you're, they think they're your friends mm -hmm. but you actually don't know them. Sometimes on the street and I see guys, I say to my friend, does he want to beat him up? He's like, no, man, he's just admiring you. I'm like, what the fuck? He's like, why is he all the time staring at me this way? He said, bro, he knows you, but he's ashamed to talk. I'm like, okay. But yeah, sometimes it's, it's difficult, you know, like uh, to, to separate sometimes. Yeah, I, I've had a few, many, many YouTubers on the channel and some with big channels, 500,000 uh, subscribers. Uh -huh. And they said the same thing. It's they've had, you'll get a, a, a fan come up to them and be like, hey, how's it going? Oh my God. Like, but not not saying not not like a, like a celebrity. They actually were coming up to them like they knew them. Yeah, yeah. They and then the, yeah, and then the and then the YouTubers like, who the hell are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then their brain turns on and they go, oh wait, you have no idea who I am. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They and the thing is, they are pissed if you don't recognize them. They're like pissed. Yeah, I have this all sometimes in fights. I have fights. You know, I, I fight like in front of 30,000 people. Yeah, and people come to me. They say, yeah, I was in your fight. I'm like, yeah, okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. 
He's like, you don't know me anymore? I'm like, I, I don't know. He said, I was in the fourth row. I'm like, man, I don't know. But they're like disappointed, yeah? That you don't recognize them. It's yeah, like, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I think it's the, the human psychology around, you know, w watching people that, maybe if you're watching on YouTube or any type of channel, <laughs> did your, yourself, when you were growing up, I'm, you, you've had idols and heroes, like you said, with Rocky and Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Is there anyone that you've met that you've been starstruck? Well, actually not, actually not. I met like a lot of people. I was traveling now in 87 countries all over the world. And I met like a lot of people, you know. I think like it's better when you have an idol not to meet you in person, you know, because then you realize perhaps he's not like this. Don't meet your hero. Don't meet your hero, yeah. Is this a saying? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we have Exist? this. Don't, don't, oh, yeah, shit, man, that's right. Don't, do not don't meet your hero. Don't meet your hero. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. Is there anyone out there that you really idolize that you, you, you would love to meet one day? Yeah, Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger, I think, yeah. I think he accomplished so much from a small Austrian guy to the governor of California to Terminator to anything what he wanted, yeah. Was that quick when you're growing up in Germany where most Germans kind of, um, you know, attracted that, that magnet of Schwarzenegger and what he's done? <laughs> no, but I think he's for he should be for everybody in the world a role model, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a very interesting guy, especially when you, you listen to him speak and how, I think the biggest thing from Schwarzenegger, it's his discipline. His like, chest. No. <laughs> his chest, yeah. But I mean, th this guy, yeah. so he, his craft and, and not just not just weightlifting, every single thing he, he yeah, does. Everything he does. So disciplined. Discipline is the key for everything. You know, you can be most sportist also, they get after career um, successfully, they put the discipline if you just transfer to some something else and they put this in business you know Schwarzenegger was crazy yeah and i think that has to that carries over into whatever you you're doing personally yourself are you able to stay disciplined in thailand thailand has a lot of you know attractions you could wake up in the morning and be like ah, i'm going to the beach today uh yeah i hate to be in the beach actually <laughs> <laughs> to be honest i live on the beach and yeah. like i go very rarely <laughs> yeah, yeah i hate it man it's i feel so lazy you know the sun then you have uh, sand in your ass. It's like, it's yeah, annoying. It's, some <laughs> I, friends like living in Canada, they would love to come to the beach. Uh, but people will be like, how are you? They'll go, uh, why, why don't you just go to the beach and, you know, just chill and lay down. If I put a towel down and laid down, I would want to get up in three seconds. Yeah, yeah Because I don't know what I'm doing. Me too, me too. I kind of need to be on the phone to do something like hyperactive, yeah. On, on your side now, not just in the boxing side, the the business side as well, dealing with sponsors, maybe doing products. Yeah. Um, on the business side, I mean, you, you seem very well educated and you're definitely dialed in and understanding that. Do you have to, do you put a lot of energy into that or do you really just need to focus on the boxing? No, no, I also put like focus on other stuff. I was studying in Germany. I have two bachelor degrees and I do like my, my side things. So no, there are many opportunities. I need to catch them. You cannot let them wait. And uh, when I was young, I, I knew I was very good in boxing. So I knew I was going to make one day also money out of it. And I, I read also like books about my idols. And I saw that all, have, all these guys had one thing in common. All had like financial problems. And I was wondering, how is that possible? So I studied uh, finance. Study finance? Yeah, I studied finance, yeah. Are, are you planning to use, let's say, your cash flow, your funding from boxing to, to fund future business projects when you have that time? Is this kind of an idea? Yeah, I do this. So I do this already all the time. I have here in restaurant. I have here in Thailand a big restaurant chain. Mm -hmm. and it's what, what chain is it? Pure Vegan. Pure Vegan. Th so you, this is the one you're saying is in Copenhagen. 
it's more of them. It's like six of them. Oh wow! I, did, I wasn't aware of that. Are there are there some on the yeah, island? Yeah, some of them too. It's hard when I'm up in Bangtao. We're kind of isolated. Yeah, yeah, there's there's not much <laughs> up here, right? No, there is not. It's one is in Ravai and one in Shalong on the Fighter Street. When, when you when you went to build that, I mean, business. I, I own a company in Thailand as uh, well, and uh, the accounting is fun. <laughs> The paperwork is yeah. very fun here. Um, how maybe walk some people through? Let's talk more about the business side on Thailand. Like, you want to open up a business in Thailand? What are some of the steps you need to take? The good thing for me was I uh, have here a partner, and he's married to a Thai. He's a very good friend of me. So, like, this is the biggest difficulty I, th I would say. Yeah. 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 And um, this was already sorted out. So yeah, we trust each other. We do projects. It's fun. And when you're starting those businesses like pure vegan, um, how do you decide that this is something that you want to pursue? I mean, you, you oh, this this pure vegan project already existed before. Okay, so you're coming I more as an investor. Yeah, exactly, okay. exactly. I jumped in, yep. and then out of that, other things developed. You know, mm. it was like a snowball effect. It rolled, rolled, got bigger. But yeah, but you don't have to you know, do any day-to-day -day operations monitoring. No, you're no, kind of no. on the outside watching this yeah, thing exactly, grow. Exactly, exactly. Do you have any other business you're able to share? That um, yeah, some small car rental and some stuff like this. That's but that's good. You're you're structuring your finances so that you know have some stability as you. Yeah, you need to. On. You need to because the thing is in sport, the money's not coming all the time the same. Yeah, so you need to find a way. Also with the sponsors and stuff like this, it's like. It's not consistency, you know? Yeah, spons once the career is done, sponsors come, they go, they but go, you need yeah. that stability. As you go, I see you're, uh, you're, you're wearing a, a quite nice watch. <laughs> I got my Panerai as well. It's a nice um, you're, you're a Rolex guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, now, I'm a watch collector. And, and a lot of people, I think this is becoming more new knowledge that actually the art of purchasing wa uh, watches yeah. is a very fine art. You need to know what you're getting. It, how is that going to go up in value? How did you get into watch collecting? Like 2017, I got my first Rolex and I I just liked it, you know, and I saw the prices are, are booming. Yeah, I had a very good connection to AD, so everything went well. But the thing is, the prices now are fucked also. For the Rolex, yeah. Yeah, for the Rolex, they dropped. Also for Patek, they dropped. St they're still high, but still they, they dropped like 30, 40%. Yeah, I, th I think the market was just flooded by, you know, you every YouTuber was buying a, yeah, a, a watch. Ev everybody was uh, suddenly a uh, watch dealer. Yeah. This was crazy. But uh, but, st but still, I'm in plus, I think. Yeah. But it's a nice, it's a, side, it's a side hustle, you know. It's like investment. Yeah, it's a storage of wealth. Yeah. Um, because watches, like, these watches, they never, this is why I have a left-hand one. Um, it's it's a left hand one. Yes, more why, you, why you wear it on the left hand? Uh, well, no, no, it, it, it's on. It should. I, I am. Uh, it should be on this hand. I can't because are I'm you lefty? No, I'm not. It should be on, on this. The, hand. On the yeah. right hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, because when you're lefty. Yeah. But I, I, I'm not wearing it. It's just there's more value because getting it in that way is more rare as well. Actually, fun fact: Did you know the one of the? I think it is the only granddaughter of. Blue Tree, you know Blue Tree. Blue Tree. Blue Tree. It's up here. It's the huge water park. Okay, yeah. With the super crazy slide. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes, 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 yes. The the owner of that is the granddaughter of the owner of Patrick Philip. She so this lady that's built the whole Blue Tree. Yeah, she's okay. like the only living grand like uh, grandchild of okay. the owner of Patrick Philip. Funded this whole thing and 
That is that is one of my dream watches. So if you're watching this, send it on over. Oh, here in Thailand, they're the cheapest in the world. The Re- Patek Philips. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Ah, okay. okay. I don't know why, but they're here cheap than cheaper than anywhere in the world. Yeah, I usually if I I I, I tend to go into the the stores more at the the Par- Paragon in, yeah. in Bangkok. At least you have some sort of selection there as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's quite interesting. But on my side now, um, are you have you got into crypto at all? Any Bitcoin? Crypto, yeah, I put money. I lost. I, I was trading. You know, oh, no, no, I no, did no. the most stupid thing. Yeah, don't trade. I had like an agency from um, from uh, Switzerland. Yeah, they took care of it. You know, so I put some money, and I was trading like crazy. I did like every month twenty, thirty percent. This was like ridiculous money. I felt like uh, I don't know Bill Gates. Yeah? I think <laughs> I thought I never need to work again. It went so well, yeah. And then f- one to the other, but they took also fifty percent, yeah. Yeah, but then the markets crashed. Yeah, I know, but then it was fine. But then they told me one day, they said, like, say not, we need to stop. I'm like, why need to stop? They said, the market is, like, it's not good at the moment. But I thought they own, I thought they're fucked up of me. Because sometime I saw when they was doing trades, mm. uh, it was, like, high. Like, I did, like, $3,000, yeah? I took it. They said, no, you should leave it. And so I did my own decisions, and I thought they only hate me because I do my own decisions, yeah? But yeah, so they said we have to stop the partner work because of the crisis, blah, blah. But I didn't believe it. So I did by myself and I lost like 100K. Yeah. Were you trying to like day trade? Are, are you yeah, familiar yeah, yeah. with trading like candle, Japanese candlesticks? You were trying to learn. No, it's the problem. Not candlesticks, nothing. I just emotional. Bam, beam, boom. Yeah, look. <laughs> I woke up. I, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. dream of uh, Shiba Inu. I bought. Bam, oh, 20K. No, no, bam. No, 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 no. I lost like uh, $98,000. Yeah, that that would have been crazy. the the shitcoin craze, and it's still going on. It's the the number one is Bitcoin, and have, yeah. have, have you look, have you looked deep into it and understand? Yeah, yeah, it? and bro, I think for me all this crypto is like a, it's like a scam, you know. Not not Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin is real, but I think this the rest is shit. The, I think the this what's happening around is like a, it's like a big scam, you know. The Bitcoin or this cryptocurrencies was there for to be anonymous, you know. But now everything is centralized because you need to uh, to register with your ID card, you, with your bank card. So you cannot even do much more like this, uh, this, this transactions without leaving footprints. Yeah. Mm. So I think the the sense behind it is, is lost. Well, there there's sites. One site is called Bisq. Q. It's called BISQ, and it's a peer-to-peer trading platform through an escrow. Yeah. On um, being able to trade Bitcoin. So like if you it's it's this i'm not a sponsor i you this is what i use yeah. because the problem with let's say like a binance or yeah. a crypto.com or ftx whatever FTX. <laughs> th- there you go that's the problem but the problem is they're centralized exchanges yeah which means if they go under you lose everything yeah, yeah that's so when you use something like this um it's a bit complicated to get it working you have to put bitcoin in to authorize it if i'm on there and you're on there yeah. I can, it's it's 100% peer-to-peer. I put my Bitcoin with my wallet address how I want, and I say I want to sell one Bitcoin at the price plus 2%. Yeah. And then you go on and you go, okay, I want to buy it. It goes automatically through an escrow account, and we trade each other's money through something it could be like transfer-wise. But it's like there's, a, there's an escrow in the middle, which means it doesn't transfer. It, yeah. they, they take responsibility on the transfer. It's actually trading peer to peer, and then you can put your Bitcoin onto your ledger, your your yeah. cold storage device, one hundred percent decentralized. 
and no KYC, so there no, there's no footprint. Uh, if it's decentralized as well, but the mostly, you know, look what happened to FTX, Binance. So many people got fucked, you know? Well, people you lose their lose their trust. You can purchase on those things like FTX, but then you can just take it off right away and put it onto your uh, your, your your cold your cold storage. I think I think I think Bitcoin is going to be it's the, the most revolutionary technology in our lifetime. It is it is the only digital asset that you can transfer money. Uh, let's call it purchasing power yeah. across time and space. If you're in Germany and you yeah. want to bring a million dollars to yeah. Thailand, can you put that in a briefcase and go through the border? No. Could you put it on your wrist on a watch? Okay. Possible. Possible. Um, but then you have to sell that watch, and that's not easy, right? So with Bitcoin... Diamonds. Well, diamonds as well. But again, you're... Diamonds you're work very well because they're like almost same value all over the world. Diamonds, def definitely it's easier to transport diamonds. But still, if you were to get caught or anything along, like carrying something, right? Yeah. Bitcoin on a cold storage, you only need your password. So you could be in Germany and if you have your password and you land in Thailand, you can exchange with someone peer to peer over here. And this way you, you're, you're, you're removing the central banks, which is kind of controlling that. What's the craziest thing where, where I'll try to blow your mind about Bitcoin, people don't see yet. Bitcoin is going to be a battery source for storage of power. And it will transport power across time and space with no devices. So what do I mean by that? Imagine there's dams, and they're doing this. There's a dam in Bhutan. And the dam... It, it's the dam generates energy, energy sure, yeah, right sure. and that energy can be used and connected to bitcoin mining machines now i need to transfer that energy to maybe an indian country well if you're transferring that energy you need a certain infrastructure to transfer that and you're going to lose about 40 to 50 percent of the energy along the way if i set up bitcoin mining machines right and i mine the energy from the dam directly i it's like a battery now now I have that as Bitcoin. I can go to that Indian town and then maybe instead of me um, uh, transferring the energy of the dam, maybe I can use the wealth from the Bitcoin to improve their infrastructure or set up solar panels specifically on spot. So you're trading the power that you capture for something else in another location. This is where they're going to see the power of Bitcoin and they're going to end and they're setting it up on like um, uh, geothermal volcanoes like in Iceland. Because if you can, there's so much energy in the world that we can capture, but yeah. you can't transfer it from one end to the other. How could you set up a, a you know, a, a transfer of power from a dam in Bhutan to maybe a, a city in India or wherever you need to get it? The, inf the piping is impossible, but you can capture the, the wealth. Yeah. The wealth. This is the power. And that's why everyone is so confused. They say, oh, Bitcoin's bad for the world. It's not energy efficient. It's like, there's volcanoes in the middle of Hawaii. If you were to able to, to capture the power through Bitcoin mining, I mean, that power at the end of the day on the earth is just, it disappears. What if we capture it and store it? Uh, this is going to be the difference maker. I think you'll see it in the next five years. Nobody understands it yet, how, how they're doing it. And that's what I'm saying. You're transferring, per, you're, you're preserving purchasing power, but you're transferring energy across time and space. That's, anyways, that's my... I don't know if this podcast is about me or Bitcoin. But <laughs> you. 
Um, so we'll, we'll jump a little bit back on track because the audience hates when I talk about Bitcoin, but I'm here to educate on two things, mushrooms and Bitcoin. And uh, we're all done with uh, Bitcoin. We'll talk about mushrooms now. Um, so you're, you're in Thailand now. You're, are you getting close to the end of the five weeks? You're going to go back? Yeah, I have now, I think, uh, three more weeks left here in Thailand. And then we go back to Germany. Yeah. Germany. And then when is your fight scheduled? The fight is scheduled for the 25th of November in South Africa. In South Africa. Are, are, now, are you, you, do you have to cut weight for that? No, I fight in Bridgerweight. Yeah, yeah that's what I was trying to explain. Bridgerweight. That's a new, should I tell something about it? Yeah, yeah, it's, let's, it's let's talk about, because I was reading, I was, um, as most, like, I'm a big MMA fan. I think boxing, after the whole Tyson era, like, it kind of disappeared a little, unless you're a hardcore fan. Uh, um, and then kind of UFC came in, and it was a bit easier to follow. But let's talk about, like, your weight classes and what's going on. You're WBC, correct? Yeah, WBC. Talk, talk about that and, and maybe even the transition. How could you go from bridge of weight up to heavyweight? How does that all work? So, look, the thing is the boxing changed, yeah? Before, uh, there was cruiserweight till 91, and there was heavyweight, plus 91 without limit. But in the early days, the heavyweights uh, had, like, 100 kg, 105 kg, yeah? And uh, now, nowadays, the heavyweights are like 130, 120 kg, yeah? So they needed to invent a class between. And they invented the bridger weight, which is still 100 kg. And um, they call it after a young guy in England. There was a case, I don't know if you know the story, I'm pretty sure you heard about it. There was a girl, he got, she got attacked by a dog, then her small brother jumped in. Yes. And the dog, uh, you know, his complete face is fucked up any for his life, yeah? And the, the name of the guy was Bridger. But it's very young boy. Yeah, very young boy, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And uh, the name of the guy was Bridger. So this is why they called the weight class, because the guy was so brave. They called after him, Bridger Weight. And wh when did this weight class come into effect? Before two years. Before two, yeah, because I was going to say that story is not that old. Uh, yeah, but it's a cool story. Huh? Yeah, I know. I saw It was all over social media, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, but that dog, he, he really... Ripped, yeah. ripped him yeah, but but to honor this guy, they named the weight class after him that's, that's because he was so brave. That's that's it's that's a cool story. Yeah, I can I mean, it's at least that's something for for you know him for him to be proud of. He yeah. probably he probably won't realize it for another. He's still quite, he's probably less than ten years old at the time. Yeah, nothing now he realizes. <laughs> yeah. When so w when you're competing in this this weight class as it's it's a new weight class, yeah. um, and people are kind of competing at the, this new level. There's not a lot of like history or, or or fights to look back on to do proper tape studying. There is not, but the fighters was fighting before. They are either former cruiserweights or former heavyweights, yeah? So the cruiserweight you're saying is 91 kg? 91, yeah. Then you're up, so, yeah, I'm thinking in pounds as well. Uh, so you're 100 kg, like uh, 225. And now, yeah. but most of the heavyweights, they're pushing that 225. Like your Tyson Furies, he's probably walking around 250, 260. Yeah, there are some other guys that are much heavier, you know? The, the humans developed, like... Uh, George Foreman, yeah, they called him Big Joe, but he was perhaps 105 kg. That's not much. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what. Or uh, Muhammad Ali was like 92 kg, 91. He could compete nowadays in cruiserweight. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, especially with these guys, like now you got Francis Ngannou coming. Yeah, in. This, but I, this I, are like I super mutants, you know. I mean, he's he's cut, he's ripped 260. Like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I guess he's going to be fighting Tyson Fury. What are your thoughts on that fight about to happen? I mean, Tyson Fury's kind of saying, I mean, the guy, he's 
He's got too much muscle on him. How how is he going to last? I think uh, in a boxing match, anything can happen because he's he's strong and uh, he's brave, you know, and he don't know what he's doing. So for Tyson Fury, it's going to be very hard to anticipate what's coming from Francis because Francis is not so by himself knowing what he's punching because he's so wild, you know. Mm. It's kind of like, are, have you? do you play poker ever? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, it's sure. like, there's two people you don't play poker with. Someone who has unlimited money and the new so guy. The new guys, because the new guys, they go in with and they, they hit uh, seven two. runner, runner. Seven you two have eight. <laughs> they go, uh, fuck yeah, yeah. When I sit at a table, I, th I think I'm pretty good. I'll sit at the table, I'll watch. I'm like, who's the newest guy here? Don't uh, play him. Don't play the dangerous. And who's the guy that has so much money he does uh, not care what uh, to fucking lose right now? Because those guys you cannot beat. No, no, and also Francis... I mean, for him, he has nothing to lose. He only can win. That's like a bunch of money because of the fight. And even if he lose, they're going to say, oh, it's a boxing match. Mm. You know, so Tyson Fury goes there with a big pressure. He has to win. He has to dominate. And perhaps this can crush him, yeah? Well, I th I'm assuming Tyson Fury is doing it to just take title, baddest man on the planet. Because he's like, wait a minute. You can't have that title. He's ah, th yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. he's going for. Yeah, but then you have to do with him a May fight. Yeah, I guess he'd have to cross over. But it looks like they, he's already planned his fight with Yersik, uh, 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 right? With Uzik, yeah. Uzik, Uzik, sorry. December, yeah, on December. Uh, which is funny because it's like, well, uh, something goes one wrong. One half month, yeah. yeah. That's how uh, confident he is. It's, I tell you, it's anything can happen. Uh, I think uh, this Francis, he can knock Tyson Fury out if he hits him properly, yeah, because he's like a machine, you know. He's like a... He's like a um, he's like a mutant, actually. Yeah, he's really like a mutant. And and that that weight, I mean, you know, it's a ticking time bomb. When you're fighting at that weight class, anyone can get knocked out if they're getting connected. Yeah, if he's, I think uh, you know, there is an old saying in boxing: a boxer you have to fight, and a fighter you have to box. Mm. So if Francis try to box with him, he's gonna be destroyed. But if Francis fights him, just pressures and just just pressure and just wild punches. Yeah. Because anat anatomically, he's a monster, you know, this Francis. Yeah, it's better he, he doesn't try to go the distance. No, just not... Go not in there swinging. Not this fucking jab, jab. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, pushing, spitting, I don't know, anything. Yeah. So you, you are, you're fighting for the title. Yeah. In boxing and WBC, um, what comes with winning the title? Like, in terms of... Not, not the fight purse or anything like that. Yeah. In terms of, like, promotion, media exposure... Um, sponsorships how does that happen I think uh, to win this title it's a great it's a great story and I think this can have a big influence on my on my country on Albania on Kosovo because uh, like then we have again a hero you know and the people are gonna have and uh, people are gonna have motivation perhaps I can be the rocky of somebody you know do you, do you visualize that daily? Oh, yeah, 100%. Do you visualize bringing the belt back home? Yeah, look here, my, my screen safe on the phone, yeah? Every time if I open my phone, here is written, uh, I will win in South Africa against Kevin Lorena, I will knock him out, will be WBC world champion and write history for my country. So every time if I open my phone, I, I read this, you know? This is your visualization. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, would you bring the belt back? And, and visit or is that is it a big yeah yeah everywhere everywhere I would bring first of all to my parents yeah to my parents which I'm the most thankful for everything yeah so that that type of title now in the WBC WBC is this Eddie Hearn no Eddie Hearn is a promoter 
It's just the promoter. Promoter, promoter. Suleiman is the president of WBC. This is the part coming from like following, I following one, following UFC. I mean, there's only these two promotions, so it's easy to understand. I think as a fan on the outside for boxing, yeah, it gets very, complicated. Very, conf- very yeah. complicated on on how does the belt system, and then they do the unified belt. How, could you explain a bit of the detail? Just being the champion for WBC doesn't unify you in other promotions. How do all these cross promotions yeah. work? Because for so, me, uh, it's it's hard to understand. There are many organizations, but like the main fight uh, organizations, boxing is WBO, WBA, IBF, and WBC. WBC have obviously the longest history, like the most successful history, and um, you know somebody can be in WBC number seven like me, but in WBA he's not even top fifteen. It's very complicated, you know. They're like every year there are conventions. They meet each other, and it's like it's like on a market. You bid. You say my fighter for this year, this guy. I want to place him number four, and the other guys say, you know, about my fighter. He fought this guy. You want him number two, so they bid each other. It's like every year. It's called a convention. And then there's, for example, you're fighting in WBC and you can yeah. go over to WBA. Is there issues like, are you renegotiating contracts? Like, how yeah, does that yeah, work? yeah, 100%. But also, this is the thing from the managers yeah. with the promoters, with the. It's like quite complicated. I think for this podcast is too much to explain, but it's yeah. really. I mean, that, and that's what's interesting about boxing. Yeah. It's like even, you know, yourself being in the sport, you're like, I don't even know. It's, it's difficult to, to explain as well. No, I, th- I don't think it's. Uh, it's it's hard to explain it. I just think it's it's like long to explain, yeah. Mm. And uh, you have to see who's the champion, and then you have to see, you know, there is, for example, a ranking top fifteen, yeah. The the champion have to fight number one. But uh, what is if the other guy from the other organization wants to charge out the champion from this organization? Have the the number one to wait, so they have to see the contract. How is it possible? It's like very tricky, you know. A lot of politics. A lot of politics. So this is why also Tyson Fury with Usyk is a big problem because there's so many organizations behind and they all want their money also, you know. They're all in those negotiations, in the, the contracts. Everyone's yeah, trying yeah, to get yeah, a piece. Yeah. And also these people who are, who are on the list to wait because Usyk holds now three, three belts, yeah? Uh, WBO, WBA and IBF. But also in this list, you have people who have to fight. We're waiting. Who are on contender? So but it just slows. But now these people have to wait because he fights Tyson Fury. So perhaps they have to make a contract that these people get a cash out that they let the fight happen. And if somebody say no, the fight is stopped. Yeah, it sounds like an. That's the thing. It's 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 almost a web, just a mess. Yeah, it's a web. It's not a mess. It's just a web. And people who are the contender, you have to give them money to let the fight happen. You know. Mm. So it's called step away, first. Do most boxers and even yourself, when you're in this profession, you can kind of foresee like, okay, around this age, I'm I'm probably planning to leave. Are you already planning like this way in advance or is it more just fight by fight and you take it day by day? I say every time, if somebody asks me how long I'm going to fight, I say every time till to the next fight because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know injuries, this and that. And if you do this on a high level like me, you have like... Every time crazy injuries, you know, I had like ACL, I ruptured my biceps, they put me a biceps from a dead body inside, mm. you know, I'm like uh, an atomic wonder that I even can walk. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? I, I, I punched somebody, my biceps ruptured, mm. I waited too long, they couldn't pull it more back, so they put me from a dead body a biceps. 
Ah, no, it was it ripped completely? Yeah, it was ripped up, yeah, from a left hook. And, um, yeah, and then, uh, but I waited too long, so muscle was contracted. They couldn't pull it more back. Mm. So they had to extend with the, from a dead body uh, biceps. How long did that take to recover? At least a year. No, it, I did after four four months of fight again. But it, it takes usually one year. Are, are boxers, are they allowed to use stem cells at any point? No, it's completely. No, no, it's completely like the doping list is very, very strict in boxing. Because I think uh, MMA, UFC, I think they're allowed to use stem cells like on knees and shoulders. Yeah, it's very strange. I th the thing is, on a high level, you can use anything. You know, mm. if you have the right uh, medical team, who just, you know, for example, if you take the molecular chain of testosterone, yeah, yeah, if you just add one molecular more. It's not more testosterone, mm. so it's not more doping. And they, they are. Is it like USADA or, or the, who who will come after and they they try to yeah, test yeah, you guys? Yeah, it's like uh, for me, it's the WBC. Okay. I'm like in a program where they can test me any moment, and uh, I need to to fill out formulas like where about where I am, and if I'm not there, it's like a positive test. And and they can just show up at your door in Thailand yeah, at five yeah. in the morning. Happened already. Happened already a few times. In, when you're in Thailand. In Thailand, not. No. In Thailand, I have the feeling this like uh, here nothing happened. Mm. So it's the feeling why many people are here, actually. I, yeah, I th I th I've heard some stories where they kind of will just show up at the door in the morning and they. Thailand. Yeah, in Thailand. Yeah. I th yeah. think. Uh, Make sure that happened. Who knows? Maybe they end up showing up and then they get too drunk on Bangla and they don't make it themselves. Five uh, <laughs> in the morning. No, but you need to go. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They, they wait three hours. So I was one time at home in Germany, and um, my mother is calling me. She said, "Like hey, somebody's in your house." I'm like, "Who is it?" She said, "Like guys from anti-doping." I'm like, "Okay, tell them I'm not there." They say, "Okay, they wait." Tell I come in four hours. They say, "No problem. They will wait." Mm. So they was waiting like four hours. Did I come? And they make sure you come back. Yeah, they make sure you come back 100%. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, it must be quite difficult, especially when you have a schedule, they're just showing up and. Yeah, but it's, it's their job, yeah. Mm. It's their job, but I think also there. Yeah, it is what it is. When, when your, your family is watching you, you boxing, do, um, Earlier in your career, were they supportive? Or, I mean, watching your own child go into the, these wars, I mean, there's always, especially, I would assume, for your mother, it's like, you know, it, it can be yeah. scary. Like, uh, have you had those conversations with family when they're like, are you going to be okay? Are they a bit concerned? Uh, yeah, they were every time concerned. You know, they're afraid. It's a mother. The mother going to be afraid even the son is 60 years old, yeah? And um, I think it's very natural also for your friends around, yeah? Because... You see in the history what happened to many people. Yeah. You know, one punch can change your life. It's not a game. Many people underestimate that. Ha have you ever, um, in any match, whether sparring or, or a fight itself, like taken a punch where you you might question, maybe I need to do testing for CTE? Because <laughs> this is becoming a b big part of the conversation now. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> you feel okay? I feel okay, but I had many people who had to do this. So it's like if you're a pro, one time a year, you need to do a CT, a brain scan to see if everything is fine. Mm. In Germany right now happened the case, uh, there is two big guys that have a fight. And one of the guys had to do his CT before the fight. He did, and he, they found a tumor in his head. Wow. Is that boxing related? or No, no, it's not. But genetically, yeah. but still, it's like yeah. randomly a tumor, you know. 
Have you done any CT scans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every year I do. Every year you do. Every year I do. And I guess at a certain point, like nowadays when they're doing that testing, they can kind of tell you if there's a problem and you can make those decisions. 100%. No, they, they, don't, they don't say it's a problem. If it's a problem, they don't let you fight. Yeah, I think there is. But still, you know, in Germany, it's very strict. But if, when you go now to another country and you can easily fake these documents, nobody gives a fuck. Yeah, that's true. But that you know, so I think in Thailand, it's also like very dangerous, really, to do here training with these people. Because I think like here, many of the fighters, like let's say 85, 90% are here on Jews. I, I, it's possible. Possible. I mean, but it's uh, hopefully... Uh, yeah, I don't think Tiger will, will kill me. Um, it's very interesting at Tiger Muay Thai when you go outside and there's literally a juicing bar beside the place. There's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, the complete street. You can people come here all over the world. They do this, you know. But it's for me, these people they shouldn't never fight or they shouldn't be allowed to be in sport because you know the thing is, if you take uh, steroids or juice, yeah. Let's say you play football. Your advantage is you're gonna run faster. You're gonna shoot more and your stamina is better, yeah? Well, that's okay. But in fighting, yeah, you go with the intention in the fight to kill somebody. And you know, this is like. Seriously, you can hurt Yeah, you can, ki- you can kill somebody. You know, in football, you don't offend anybody because you just uh, do things better. I mean, I, I can attest to it. I've done, st- well, I've done testosterone three times. Yeah. Uh, the biggest problem with it is 100%, I can attest. You feel fucking awesome. <laughs> and But the issue with it is it's kind of yin and yang, meaning like you feel great when you're on it. I didn't take a lot. I took 200 milligrams for 10 weeks of testosterone ethanate, which is like a slow release. And I was just doing that just not to get big, just to have that extra uh, motivation. TRT. TRT. I said, well, not as low as TRT. Like TRT could be like 125, 50, 150 milligrams. I was doing about... 250 once i did 300 the problem with it is like you'll feel great for 12 weeks and then the second you come off it like you're just going to get fat everything crashes down because your body has to now produce this um naturally it was getting synthetically so that's great you felt great for 12 weeks but for two to three months and even for me up to a year you feel very slow you start to put on weight quicker I, i guess like the point of the story is like you you can't play God to a certain level unless you just stay on it the rest no, of your life. There, there are, you know, also there are many hormones. It's not just testosterone. Yeah. It's like a pull at the DJ, you know? If you put one up, the rest is still down. You have to be everything like with a team of doctors and everything. But I wonder, like, people who are not even pros, yeah, how they do this and without uh, medical research and stuff like this. I see this on, on the street in, on the Soy Tayat on Shalong, yeah? And every pharmacy, you just can't go and buy juice, yeah? It's crazy. And I see people, sometimes I'm in the pharmacy, I buy some stuff and I, 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 I hear like what people order. Yeah? One time I was, I don't know, I, I was buying something yeah? and I hear from, my, from the back, I hear like trembolone, testosterone, blah, blah, blah. I think like, wow, this guy has to be a bodybuilder. I turn over, it's like a skinny fucker. I'm like, does he inject in the wrong place or what's happening? <laughs> yeah? what? Maybe so one muscle is quite big. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's ridiculous, you know, it's like, it's dangerous. Yeah, if you're not doing like proper blood work and, and understanding not just the dosage, yeah, but, on but it. not just that, even that the fighter does that, you know, it's like it's it isn't fair because you really can can harm somebody, you really can really can kill somebody, and especially not not just in boxing, but in let's say Muay Thai, for sure the Muay Thai fighters are on it, a lot of them. I think they take like um, 
stuff more for their oxygen. There, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff, yeah. something yeah. like this. But I mean, there's other um, promotions that are not. They as don't strict. test at all. No, they don't test. This is all. why you see many good fighters, and you think like, oh, why are they not in UFC? Exactly because of the doping, because they cannot play that this game. Yeah, I've always wondered that with one championship, if they're a bit lenient there, because sometimes watching one. You can see their bodies. You're like that doesn't it doesn't look yeah, natural. Yeah, yeah. The the guys like uh, well Yo Yoel Romero in the UFC. He looked on juice, but he wasn't. But there's a there's a lot more if you watch one championship yeah. that look like they're on juice. And I'm wondering if it's because of all of uh, Southeast Asia. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I think like any one of them is hundred percent. There's that, there's no testing. Yeah, I guess when you're all the way over here from USADA, who's coming over, it's no, probably just not happening. No, but you know, so this is expensive. This costs money. Uh, yeah, and that's why I think the Brazilians get away with it as well in Brazil, because they're not. A lot of them are not flying over there, and yeah, yeah and they they don't go in these favelas to test them. Yeah. Um, okay, just before we wrap it up, I want to talk uh, one final piece, like a, a day in the life. Today, you got up, you did training, you come to this lunatics podcast <laughs> about mushrooms. Um, yeah. For the rest of your day, how is that structured? I know you got training later at, uh, you said, 6 o'clock? 6 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to be driving back down south to Chalong. How are you going to structure the rest of your, your day, like, in terms of planning your, your meal, you're driving back, and then going towards bed? Because I get this question quite often, especially for fighters that are on the podcast. Like, what does that day consist of? And kind of walk us through that specifically for today. For today, I just drive back. I make my small siesta. I go on a train. I eat and go perhaps play some pool. I love to play pool here. And yeah, because the ties, they're really good. Oh, I they're play here in the Thai league pool. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah they're next I, level. I just won yesterday. No, no, I won yesterday. Which, uh, which, which place? In Laguna. Yesterday we played against um, Laguna Ba and Ravai. Up here? Ravai. In uh, Ravai. In Ravai, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, do you ever play against the Orange Bar people? You see them down there? No, you are playing the Ravai League. In there the are, there are many different leagues, yeah. Are you playing eight ball or nine? Eight ball. Eight ball. But I also can play nine ball, yeah, sure. But the ties, they're they're really good. You think, yeah? I don't know. They pot good sometimes, but there are some of them that are good, yeah, but mostly not actually, yeah. Mm. Depends. The best players in the world. Philippines. Philippines, right? I would yeah, say. No. At the moment, the best is Albanian. Really? Eklund Kachi. Mm. He beat, when he was 18 years old, he beat Efren uh, Race. Evan Race is the Filipino, right? Yeah, yeah but yes, like the legend, the yeah, magician. The legend, yeah. The magician, but he beat him with 18 years. Do you, do you ever play snooker? Snooker, I played here in a bar against some ties for money. I never play again. <laughs> I've tried. See, snooker is just, I've played it at Patong years ago. I, I, I used to actually be quite good at eight ball, but yeah. like pool, unless you're playing every day, like it just falls apart. Yeah, 100%. And then snooker. Holy shit, snooker is just... It's a, it's a different game, you know, the boats are smaller. The Holes the are smaller. The table's hole. massive. It's also, man, it's it's just a different game, yeah. But we can go one time for a game if you want. Yeah, the one that don't hustle me. Not no. for, yeah, the first game's a couple dollars. No, no, hey, no. you're coming for my watch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, that wraps up another episode. What I'm going to do, just quick, if you can let everyone know where they can find you and even your YouTube channel. So yeah. I'll cut it back to this camera here and just uh, we'll put links down in the description and how people can reach out to you, especially for your channel, which is, uh, I think it's really unique and interesting. Uh, along that sense, if you're looking for a channel for, for someone like yourself at that level to introduce you to gyms yeah guys subscribe my channel there are all almost i think every gym from thailand is there 
and you see insights, you see interviews, you see the coaches, you see the girls, you see everything. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's all. You're going around Bangkok. You're, you're yeah, yeah in, everywhere. In Do you have a video coming out soon? Anything from Thailand? Uh, yeah, the next episode is a Super Pro in Koh Samui. Super Pro. Super Pro, the gym. The gym, but it's like I think yeah, a lot of people. I think it's uh, very good. Alexander, I think Pahera was there. Do you know he Alex? was there? Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he was, was there. there. He was there. Exactly. Is it a Super Pro? Who who's the owner? I've I've had the owner. Is he Brazilian? No. Someone's reached out to me from there. No, the Dutch. Dutch. Uh, to, you know, uh, Glory. It's not the. It's. Um, you the, know, Glory. You heard yeah, of Glory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Glory is like the biggest K one uh, promoter in the world. Yeah, and Infusion. You know Infusion. No. Infusion is also like Glory and Infusion are like the two main K one things in the world, and they both are the owner of uh, Super Pro. Super. Okay, no, I'm thinking of Cope and Yang. There's a guy, uh, a German. Pascal Schrott. Yes. Pascal Schrott, yeah, yeah, no, yeah Pascal. Uh, I saw him at Bangtao one day. This guy's in serious shape. Yeah, he's every that time uh, very lean, yeah. This is what's crazy. These Muay Thai fighters, like, you, they look so skinny, but they're, like, I don't, they, they just don't put on, they're not lifting weights, but they're yeah. lethal. I don't know what they do, but somehow. <laughs> the problem for me is I eat so much, so I don't know. Anyway, yeah, yeah, you have to enjoy the food. Exactly. Okay, that app ends another episode. We hope you enjoyed this one, guys. Don't forget to like, subscribe, buy some mushrooms. They're not psychedelic, but uh, they will take your training to the next level. All right, we're out. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you very much.